0: Have you ever wondered what if Christ had not risen from the dead? We wouldn't be here today. The world that is dark would be so much darker. But you see, we've celebrated the fact that Christ is alive. You know, we were not there physically when Jesus was crucified. We were there spiritually because he took our sins and ourself with him on the cross. But we, we weren't there when he hung there with a crown of thorns on his head and cried, My God, why have you forsaken me? But we're there by faith today. We're there by faith. We see him dying in our place. You know, we weren't there when the stone rolled away and when jesus broke the chains of death conquered hell and the grave and walked out we weren't there but we were really there spiritually because it says that we in christ we eventually are made alive and so while we weren't there in a physical body with our spiritual eyes and our spiritual heart we embrace we rejoice we believe of that old rugged cross that Christ died for us. We believe that death could not hold him. And up from the grave he arose with a mighty triumph over his foes. I was thinking what the risen Christ, when he appeared to the Apostle John on the, uh, and gave him the book of Revelation, I was thankful, uh, I was thinking about what he said to John. Uh, you know, he, he was there, Jesus was there in his resurrected glory. Eyes like a flame of fire, clothed in white linen, shining like the sun. And when John saw him, he just fell at his feet as a dead man. But you know what Jesus said to him? On the screen, John Revelation one eighteen. I am He who lives, and was dead. Behold, I am alive forevermore, and I have the keys of hell and death. What a statement! He said, "Look, I was dead, but I'm alive forevermore, and I have the keys." Of death and hell, You know, for years we did Golgotha, that great Easter production that literally thousands and thousands and thousands of people came to every year. We'd have six or seven performances, and they weren't performances, they were presentations. But I remember the one that I, there were two that I really liked. One of them was when they'd built a trap door, and when uh, Jesus came out of the tomb, they opened the door and the devil disappeared. Everybody went crazy, I'm telling you, it was quite crazy. But I remember the one in Golgotha when lurking behind the scenes of the crucifixion and then Jesus put in the tomb. Satan was lurking around in the background and he had in his hand the keys of death and hell. And then all of a sudden the stone rolled away and Jesus came out and he went over to the devil and snatched the keys out of his hand and everybody went crazy, including me. Hey, listen, he says, I'm alive forevermore, and I have the keys of death and hell. Now, so once a year, we celebrate the, the historical reality that what no other religious leader ever did, that Jesus Christ declaring Him to be the Son of God with power. And Jesus Christ, the Father having accepted His sacrifice for our sins, came out of that grave never to die again and to rule and to reign for eternity. But you know it's one thing to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ and He is alive. But let me ask you a question. How will it affect you on Monday. See, if we come and celebrate that he's alive, he conquered death, hell, and the grave, he's victorious over sin, the world, and the, death, the flesh, and say, we, we believe that, we celebrate that, but then we get up on Monday. And how will the reality that Jesus is alive affect us tomorrow? Well, it would, what will it do to our conduct? What will it do to our character? What will it do to our, the words we say and the thoughts we think? God forbid that we would celebrate and rejoice that he's alive, but yet on Monday, it would not affect the way that we live and influence our actions and our love for people. You know, Paul uh, had a little struggle going on with some believers in Corinth, and um, some of them were saying that there was no resurrection from the dead. They were saying, you know, when your loved ones die, they go to the grave and that's it. Well, Paul said, wait a minute, wait a minute, you don't know what you're saying. He said, if the dead do not rise, then Christ is not risen. I want you to look at these scriptures. He went into a debate with people who said that there was no resurrection of the dead, that people died and that was all there was to it. And he said, no, that can't be because the resurrection of Christ is tied with that. Look what he said. Now, if Christ Christ is preached that he has been raised from the dead... How do some of you say that there's no resurrection of the dead? What do you mean? And he goes on and says, if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. And he goes on and says, and let me just tell you something. If Christ is not risen, our preaching is empty and your faith is empty. And he just keeps on saying, you don't know what you're saying when there's no resurrection for the dead. Because if the dead rise not, then Christ is not risen, and 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 that presents all kind of problems. And he said, if Christ is not risen, look at that verse, then our preaching is empty and your faith is empty. He said, "You, You you're talking about the dead don't rise, but you don't understand the resurrection of Jesus is dynamically and integrally related to the resurrection of the dead. And he said, if he's not risen, our preaching is empty, and our faith is uh, our preaching is empty and our faith is empty. And then he goes on and says, Yes, and we have been found false witnesses. Because we've been saying that Jesus is alive, but if the dead rise not, then Jesus isn't risen, and we've been a false witness. We've been lying, we've not been telling the truth, because we testified that God had raised his son, whom, whom if he did not raise up, In fact, the dead do not rise. But he goes on and says something else. Now listen to this. For if the dead do not rise, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, get ready for this, your faith is futile and you're still in your sins. See, they thought, you know, they they were being uh, intellectually astute, trying to be uh, religiously smarter than everybody else. They said, well, let me tell you one thing, Paul. The dead don't rise. Paul said, wait a minute. Oh, no, you're wrong. You don't know what you're saying. If the dead don't rise, then Jesus didn't rise. And I'm going to tell you something. If Jesus didn't rise and if he's not alive, our preaching is empty. Our faith is empty. The loved ones that went before us have perished and said, let me tell you one thing. If Christ didn't risen, you're still in your sin.'" Boy, he made a strong case. He said, you don't understand how important the resurrection of Jesus is. You do not understand the magnitude of the resurrection. Because when God raised Jesus from the dead, he said, I accept his sacrifice. You see, the wages of sin is death. Jesus died for our sins on the cross, and he was buried. But God said, I accept the sacrifice of Jesus for your sins. And as evidence that I accept the sacrifice, I'm just going to raise him from the dead to let you know that the sacrifice he paid for your sins was fully accepted by me, a holy God, and that sin, past, present, and future, was paid in full by the Son of God. You know... So Paul goes back, he was just simply saying, he goes back and says, um, let, let me tell you what the problem is if Jesus, if the dead don't rise, all right? He said in, in verses 12 and 13, he said, I've already read, that our message is empty, our faith is empty, Easter's alive, our faith is futile, we're still in our sins, and our loved ones have perished. But then he said, but wait a minute. Let me tell you what happened to me. And so we go back to that same chapter and the 15th chapter and the first verse. And I want you to listen to Paul's testimony of why he he believed in the resurrection of Jesus, why he preached the resurrection of Jesus, why he died, was beheaded because he never wavered in the resurrection of Jesus. He said, Moreover, brethren, I declare to you that the gospel, good news, I preach to you, which also you received and in which you stand, by which you're saved, if you hold the word I preach to you, unless you have believed in vain. Now, this is what he said. I delivered to you that which I received, how that Christ died for our sins. Now, Paul wasn't there. Well, he may, he may have been, you know, he... He probably was there. He probably was in the outskirts in the crowd. And he was cheering when they nailed Jesus to the cross. Because he was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. He was religious of the religious. So he was was probably there witnessing the death of Christ. But he said, I I delivered unto you that which I received. See, he, he understood that Christ died for our sins. He said, this is what I've been preaching. This is why I went to jail, that's why I was beaten three times with rods, four times with stripes, this was why I was in prison, and this is why I ultimately will be beheaded. He said, I pray that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried and he rose he was buried and that he rose again the third day. He said, I preach Christ crucified." Buried and raised from the dead the third day. Then he goes on and says, look at this. He was seen by Peter. Peter saw him. You remember Peter ran ahead to the tomb and got there and saw that the tomb was empty. And then he realized that Jesus was alive. And he ran back to tell the other disciples who were in the upper room mourning and weeping because they thought Jesus was dead. He said, let me tell you about the resurrection. I wasn't there that day when he came out of the tomb. But, I, but Peter, Peter saw him, and then he went to that room where the disciples were locked up in fear and appeared to the 12 disciples. And then he says, let me tell you something. Not only did Peter see him, and, and not only did uh, Mary, by, by the way, Mary, pa- pa- Paul doesn't mention it there, but Mary saw him. And she was the one that Jesus had cast out of seven demons out of. And she grabbed Jesus by the feet and held on to him. And, 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 and she didn't want him to go because he, he was going to ascend to his father. And, and she said, you've got to let go of me. I'm, I've got to go to my father in heaven. So, so Peter saw him and, and Mary saw him. And then Paul's, Peter, Paul said, over 500 brethren saw him at one time. I wonder what it was. Maybe they were gathered for some event. And somehow the risen Christ appeared to them. He said, they, over 500 brethren saw him at once, the greater part which are still alive, but some are fallen asleep. But then he went on and said, he was seen by James, but here it is. Then by all the apostles, and he goes on and says, then at last I saw him. Then at last he was seen by me. By me as one born out of due time. You see, Paul was on the road to Damascus to persecute Christians and put them in jail. And on the road to Damascus, Damascus, the living Christ spoke to Paul. His name was Saul. And all the others around him just heard a voice. But Jesus spoke and said, Saul the risen Christ, the living Christ. Saul, why are you persecuting me? Why are you kicking against the pricks? Paul, Saul knew immediately, he knew immediately that it was Jesus. And you know what he said? Lord, what would you have me to do? See, he encountered the risen Christ on the road to Damascus to persecute Christians and put them in jail. And immediately when he saw the risen Christ, he said, Lord, what do you want me to do? And he said, I want you to go over here to a city and to a street calm straight. And, and there's a man there, and listen to this, who's going to tell you what great things, listen, you're going to suffer for me. He didn't say that he's going to tell you what a great preacher you're going to be. He's going to tell you how you used to be a famous Pharisee, but now you're going to be a famous Christian. He said, you just go over there, and he's going to tell you what great things you're going to suffer for me. So Paul said, listen, y'all are saying that the dead don't rise. You're wrong. Because I'm going to tell you, if the dead don't rise, Christ doesn't rise. And I know Christ rose from the dead. And I know all the people that saw him. But I want to tell you, I saw him. And I've had an encounter with him. And I no longer am named Saul. I am named Paul. And I am an apostle now of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he said, the resurrection of Jesus changed my life. And then he went on to say, let me tell you, Jesus is alive. And, and what I want you to do is this. In, in verse uh, 15, in, 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 in verse 20, he says, but now Christ is risen from the dead. Okay, so now he's refuted them who said that Christ wasn't alive. He refuted them. And now he said, but now Christ is risen from the dead. And he went on and told them, you know, what that meant. But, but now is Christ risen from the dead. And become the first fruits of those that are asleep. And look what he says. For for by man came death, Adam. By man comes the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. Christ the first fruits and afterward those at his coming. So, he said, all right, now I'm not going to debate with you anymore. I've settled the issue with myself and with others. Christ is risen, and because he is risen, let me tell you what the results are. And so I want to tell you about the fact, what are the blessings that are ours that Christ has risen from the dead? What are the blessings that are flowing to us, not just from the cross where he died in our place, but what are the blessings that are flowing to us from the fact that he was raised from the dead. The Bible says that he was raised for our justification. Well, here's the first thing. You, you know what it means that, Je- that to us that Jesus is alive? That we're going to live forever with him in heaven. We're going to live forever with him in heaven. He says, in Adam all die, even so Christ shall be made alive. But then he goes on in that f- 15th verse, And and look what he says about death. He says, let me tell you something. Jesus is alive. And because he's alive, we're going to live forever. He conquered death. And so he goes on and says, and listen to what he said. Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, grave, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin. It was sin that caused us to have to die. And the strength of the sin is the law. But then he says it. Thanks be to God who gives us the victory over death. Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Hey, Jesus Christ took the sting out of death. He conquered death. And because of that, we will live forever with him in a place called heaven. A glorious, glorious praise. Now also, it says in that same 15th chapter that since Jesus rose from the dead, the last enemy he's going to destroy is death, and then he is going to destroy every principality and power. I want you to look at verse 24 and 25 of 1 Corinthians. It says, it says, Then comes the end. When God's through with everything and God writes the final chapter and God shuts this world down as we know it. But then comes the end when he delivers up the kingdom to God the Father and he puts an end to all authority, to all rule, authority, and power. He completely abolishes sin, death, the devil, and all authority and rule is forever destroyed. So it's, it's final. But he must reign till he puts all enemies under his feet. And the last enemy that will be destroyed is death. But then he says when he'd done that, he's going to give it all to the Father. Now this is amazing. He says, but he has put all things under his feet. When he says all things are under his feet, it is evident he's put all things under his feet. unto him. Under him is accepted because it says in the next verse, he's going to take the victory that he won and present it to the Father. And place His self under His authority. Look what it says. Now when all things are subject to Him, the Son Himself will be subject to Him who put all things under Him that God may be all in all. Jesus, who won the victory on the cross, and God declared Him to be the Son of God with power by His resurrection, the day will come when he'll all, all rule, power, and authority will be destroyed by Him, and He'll destroy death, and He'll take the kingdom and His church, and He'll present it to God the Father and he will place himself under the authority of the Father and so I'm saying to you the resurrection of Jesus means that we're going to we've conquered death and we're going to live forever with Jesus in a place called heaven and the resurrection from the dead means that Jesus Christ will destroy every principality every power every rule and finally will destroy death and it'll all now then be the kingdom of God and he will present it to his father. Now, you—I got to thinking about um, this fact of that Jesus conquered death. You know, you know. The truth is, Paul stared death in the face every day. That he was beaten with rods, beaten with a whip put in prison many, many times. I was reading where he was beaten so bad and stoned so bad, they took him outside the city and left him for dead. And when I was reading that, this person raised a question because it's not in the Bible. Wonder who went and ministered to Paul when he was laying there on that ash heap, bleeding, bruised, and half dead. Wonder who went to him. And this guy, just in speculating, said, you know, Timothy was his son in the faith. Everywhere Paul went, Timothy went. So Timothy saw him when they beat him with it an inch of his life. Oh, Timothy went out there where Paul was, wiped the blood off his face, bandaged up what wounds he could, somehow got him to his feet, brought him back and restored him back to health. You know, Paul knew what it was to stare death in the face all the time. But he faced it with some assurance. He, he said, but death, where is your sting? You've lost it. God's given us the victory. Paul was, he never, never, ever had one ounce of fear about death. You know, I'm finding that um, I stare death in the face almost every week. On Saturday, I had a funeral for a 90, a celebration service for a 91-year-old woman who loved God, who was a strong, vibrant believer in Jesus, who left a legacy for their family that, you know, was just awesome. And it was a glorious, glorious time. But once again, I I stared death in the face. Well, then I got a call last night and I've got to stare death in the face again at noon on Friday on Monday, 27-year-old young man who was found dead in his apartment. Once again, I'll have to stare death in the face, and the older you get, we all do that. But I want to say this to you: if Jesus Christ is your Lord, if Jesus Christ is your Savior. If there's been a time in your life when recognizing that you were a sinner and in no way could save yourself, there was no good works, nothing you could do, no righteousness you could ever offer, that you, a sinner by nature and by choice, were separated from God, but that God loved you so much that he sent his only son out of heaven to come and to die on the cross in your place. Oh, you say, but Brother Fred, he died for the sins of the world. Oh, no, no, yeah, but he died for you. Oh, yeah, your name was in his heart. He was wounded for your transgressions. He was bruised for your iniquities. The chastisement of your peace was upon him. And by his stripes he was healed. And you come to that place that your only hope of ever being forgiven, your only hope of ever having eternal life, your only hope of ever going to heaven is found in one thing, and that is the substitutionary, sacrificial death of the Lord Jesus Christ. And there's no other way. All the religious works you could ever do would just be as filthy rags. All the rituals and rites you could perform would never make you one inch closer to God. It is only through the blood of Christ. But when Christ is your Savior and Lord, you have repented of your sins, and you've turned your life to Him, and He lives in you, then you can stare death in the face. And let me say a thing, one thing. You'll say, oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, grave, where is your victory? You don't have one over me. Because in Christ, I am alive and alive forevermore. You know, um, I've been thinking about this a lot lately. And I thought about it yesterday at that funeral celebration. You know when what Jesus said? Talking about us, he said, now, when, you, when, we, when we see him... Jesus, talking about believers, when we see him, we will be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Well, I kind of got excited about that, because you know how old Jesus was when he died on the cross? How old? 33. Well, when we see him, we're going to be like him. Guess what? we all going to be 33. <laughs> oh, that's right. We are. I believe that with all my heart. When we see him, we're going to be like him because we're going to see him as he is. So while that service was going on yesterday, I began to visualize my mother. And the first picture I saw of her, she was such a godly woman. She was 83, beautiful white hair. Oh, what what a woman of God. And I saw her with that gray hair, and then all of a sudden, something said, no, no. And then I remembered the picture I have of her on my uh, desk at home with the five children, Betty, Margaret, Frieder, Nancy, and me. And I remember how black her hair was, how fair her skin was, and the awesome beauty that she had. And God said to me, that's the way you will see her. That's exactly how you will, she will look when you get to heaven. And then I thought about Ann's mother. And we had a picture of her mother on a table in the living room or the den. I don't know what it is. It's a room. <laughs> and when I got home, I said, come here, I want to show you something. She said, and I said, look at this. It was a picture of her mother who was a, beautiful woman, loving, sweet, went through so much heartache and pain, but I said, you know what, Ann, that's exactly what your mother's going to look like when you get to heaven. Let me tell you all something. You know what the resurrection means to me? It means, praise God, that we're going to spend eternity in heaven with a new and glorified body just like the one Jesus had. When he rose from the dead, and, and you know, the resurrection not only means that, but it means to me that um, Paul said, If Jesus didn't rise, you're still in your sins. That's what he said. The Bible says that He was raised for our justification. Now, if Jesus had stayed in the tomb, I would not be able to stand up here today and say to you with assurance, I know God accepted His sacrifice, I know your sins are forgiven. But I couldn't say that because I didn't know if God accepted it or not because Jesus was still in the tomb. But when the Father raised him from the dead, it says that he was declared to be the son of God with power by the resurrection from the dead. And here's what I want you to know. Because Jesus is alive, we can be assured that our sins are forgiven. Washed away, buried in the depths of the sea, forever covered by the blood of Christ. No wonder we sing at Easter, up from the grave he arose, with a mighty triumph o'er his foes. No wonder our choir sings. The old rugged cross made the difference. Because I am telling you, in the living Christ, the risen Christ, there is forgiveness of our sins. And our sins and iniquities he will remember no more. And one day in heaven we'll stand before the Father, robed in the righteousness of the Son of God, and not in the filthy rags of our own righteousness. O oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, grave, where is your victory? The resurrection of Jesus means this, that death is conquered, grave is conquered, the hell is, con- hell is conquered. It means that we're no longer, no longer in our sins if we have repented and turned to him. And it means that we'll spend eternity in heaven with our loved ones. Did you know in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, Paul wanted us to know that we were going know each other in heaven, and and we're going to have a great reunion. Now now listen to what he said. He starts out by talking about the resurrection, about the second coming of Jesus. By the way, there are 200 references in the New Testament that Jesus is coming again. But, uh, But there are 100 references in the New Testament about the resurrection. So obvious the resurrection was important. 100 times it was mentioned. Obviously, the return of Christ is important. 200 times it was mentioned. But you know, uh, he, he got to saying, but li- listen, I want to tell you what's going to happen. And, and it, it says, the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout. And the voice of the archangel and the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Now, he's talking about their body. You see, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. When you take your last earthly breath, when you take your last earthly breath, your spirit and your soul move out of the body that it has dwelled in. And your spirit, your soul, your capacity, your personality, who you are, if you're saved and a child of God, you immediately go to be with Jesus. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So, my mother's with Jesus, and some with Jesus. You've got loved ones with Jesus. Okay, but listen to what it says. Uh, it said, The Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, the voice of the archangel, and the trumpet of God. And it says, Then we the, and the dead in Christ will rise first. So what's that mean? Their body is going to rise first. Their body is going to rise first. So he's coming in the air, and the dead in Christ, their bodies are going to be ri- going to be raised first. It says, Then we who are alive and remain, get this, shall be caught up together with them. Oh, your loved one will come in the air with Jesus. And if we're alive when Jesus comes, we will be caught up together, that their body will be raised, a new and glorified body, and we'll get a new glorified body on the way up, and and we shall be reunited with. And it says, We should be caught up together with them in the clouds. We're going to be caught up with them to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. And so there's going to be a great reunion. A great, great reunion. Caught up together with them. Eternity with our loved ones, praising and serving the Lamb of God. I was talking to a lady the other day. She said, Brother Fred... And she's in her 90s, and she's so ready to go to heaven. She misses her husband so much. He Bless her heart, she just, she'd been longing for heaven ever since he went to be there. She said, I'm getting closer, and I just can't wait. I said, I understand. And she said, I know one thing. I know the Bible says there's going to be no marrying and giving him marriage in heaven, but I sure don't want him to be my brother. <laughs> I, I, I said, now look. They were trying to trap Jesus and said this person had, had had seven wives and all of them had died and he'd remarried seven times. I hope he made it to heaven. But anyway, you know, and they were just trying. But Jesus said, you, you're trying to tell me whose wife's going to be his. There's not going to be any marriage and giving in marriage in heaven. Now, you say, well, what does all that mean? I don't know. <laughs> but I guarantee you when I see my wife, when she's there, I know I'm going to know who she is. And it ain't going to be my sister. You see, the resurrection means so much to us. It means that death is conquered. We're going to spend eternity with God. We're going to spend eternity with our loved ones. God accepted the sacrifice of his son for our sin, and we're no longer in our sin, that we are standing before him in the righteousness of God. You know, it's going to be a glorious, glorious, and it means also, that we can live the rest of our lives, and this is very important, we can live the rest of our lives on this earth because Jesus is alive in faith and not in fear. Now I'm thinking, this is what the resurrection of Jesus means to me and to you. We're going to live forever in heaven with Jesus. We're going to All our sins have been forgiven and are going to be gone. We're going to be reunited with our loved ones. And we'll spend eternity with them. 10,000 years will just be started. But then I got to thinking. The fact that Jesus is alive means that we can live in faith and not in fear. Satan is a roaring lion. He goes about seeking whom he may arrest. When a lion roars, it puts fear in the heart of its prey. You know what this world is living in this morning? This world, Europe, America, people are paralyzed with fear. ISIS really isn't that big an army. But all they're doing is systematically... Causing things to happen to cause people to be afraid. That's why they blew up in that terminal in Brussels. That's why they blew up the subway. That's why they flew the planes into the twin towers. That's why they'll strike all along, along. What they're trying to do is, you're next. Let me tell you something. Jesus is alive. And I am telling you, as a child of God, we do not live in fear. We live in faith. And the Bible makes that very clear. God has not given us the spirit of fear, but a power and a love and a sound mind. My heart breaks for the people who are paralyzed by fear all over this world. I am praying for the defeat and destruction of ISIS. But I want to tell you one thing. When you get up in the morning, you don't have to be afraid if Christ lives in your heart. You don't have to be afraid if you're a child of God. One of my favorite songs, and I've got about a thousand, but this is one of my favorites. And it says, because he lives, I can what? Oh, you know that one too. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because I know I know who holds the future. And my future is in his hands. Well, Brother Fred, it would be bad if Jesus had not risen from the dead. You're exactly right. I wouldn't be up here preaching, and you wouldn't be sitting out there. If he was still in the tomb, uh uh-uh. uh. But he is alive. Therefore, we believe. Therefore, we go- we're going to repent and trust him, and we're going to know that we are secure in Jesus as Jesus is secure in his Father because he lives. You know, so I want you to know that he is alive. He's alive forevermore, and this is the last thing I want to say to you about this, and then I'm going to close. Because he's alive, it means he can live inside of you. I love Galatians 2.20. This was Paul's testimony. How could he face death all the time? How could he go from prison to prison? How could he be beaten, mobbed, ran out of town, all because he preached Christ, crucified, and Jesus is alive? How could he do it? How how could he do that? Because listen to his testimony. Galatians 2.20. I'm crucified with Christ. When he died, he took me to the cross with him. Positionally. I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. Christ lives in me. What, Paul? He said, oh, yeah, when he died, I died. When he rose, I rose positionally. And I want you to know, Christ lives in me. When I'm in jail, Christ lives in me. When they're beating me with rods, Christ lives in me. When I'm shipwrecked in the deep, Christ lives in me. And when they march me down the road to behead me in Rome, it'll be Christ living in me. And he said, you know, for me to live, he says, I'm crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Let me just say this. Christ lives in you. If you're saved, Christ lives in you. It's his power that gives you the power to forgive. It's his power that gives you the power to love. It is Christ in you that gives you the power to overcome the flesh and the devil. You see, you say, but Brother Fred... I have such a struggle living the Christian life. Quit. You can't live the Christian life. You can't. There's only one person who ever did, and that is Jesus. And what you've got to do is let die to yourself and let Jesus Christ live in you and live his life through you. Paul didn't say, I can do all things by struggling. I can do all things by striving. He said, I can do all things through Christ who is my strength. Good news, the dead rise because Jesus is alive and because he's alive. We have hope we can face tomorrow and we're as secure as anybody can be who is in the hands of Jesus.